this is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As those hosts, Brandon, Joe, my host, Nick, and Dan, but a special one live from Orlando. Can we get a hello from Orlando? Way more forceful than the one time we did one in Minneapolis uh, when it was just my parents and a couple of stragglers. So <laughs> we've grown up so quickly. Uh, anyways, just want to say a shout out to everybody who's been on the Chelsea tour from start to finish. We are on stop three of three. I'm exhausted, but this has been an absolute <laughs> blast. I'm exhausted because all the fans and friends we've gotten to meet. Uh, Chelsea's a community we're super excited about. So Nick, over to you to kind of set the stage here. That is correct. Whoa. Oh my god, wow. the power. You're a voice. Guys, I was born with it, it's fine. Um, look guys, uh, we do want to say thank you to everyone here. This is a, a bit of a jaunt from where we were originally supposed to be, uh, but it's because there are so many of you here that we had to kind of relocate. So thank you very much for everything. Uh, we did bring Mike Ryan Ruiz in as a, as a uh, wonderful part of the show. Yay. Just, will you take an official bow, please? I'm sorry? A bow. We'd a like bow? A, yes, a please. Bow. All right. Please. Curtsy. Everyone? Just like, like. There's a lot of hand motions. Yeah, I gave you the old Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That's nice. what I did. <laughs> Look, uh, Mike, we've obviously shared uh, many a show over the years. Uh, we have been on yours. You've been on ours. Uh, we, we'd like to, for the uninitiated, understand what your origin story is and how you came into Chelsea. Oh, uh, how I came to be a Chelsea supporter, uh, a bit of a glory hunter story. I guess, uh, I guess nowadays you can just hop on Peacock and become a Brighton fan, but that wasn't really an option in like 2005. You, you had to pick from like five teams, and I, I picked the one with DDA Drogba on it, and, uh, and the one with the nicest kits. Yep. And, uh, it's been a, a romantic love story ever since then. <laughs> some trials, some tribulations. Uh, some got chaos, to, some, some chaos, some trophies. Uh, got to fulfill a lifelong dream, or well, I guess if you're doing the timeline, probably a half a life <laughs> uh, dream with uh, being able to partner up with Chelsea and launch uh, some of their original content with Chelsea mic'd up, something I'm very proud of, alongside Chris Whittingham, who's a city supporter of uh, we got we got the banner in the end. We got the banner in the end. Uh, the banner and the banner. Uh, so that's really how it came to be. It was fortified through all sorts of trophy chases and 2012. Obviously, uh, we were talking earlier today about how uh, Fernando Torres is winner uh, against uh, <laughs> I mean pseudo winner uh, against Barcelona was really our favorite match ever. And there was no looking back after 2012. And here we are. Uh, ten years later, another big years under our name, and uh, partnering up here with one of those blue guys could be happier. So, Mike, you, you've also had a chance to interview a couple players, head to Cobham, and get a chance over the former Chelsea Mike Up podcast when it had the M I K E apostrophe, not the C. Touchy. 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 <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, talk to us about those interviews, talk about the connections with players, talk about maybe some of the experiences you've had a chance to have and build with those individuals. You've had a couple of wonderful interviews that people have had, had a chance to enjoy over the years, too. Right, so I, I've always been a fan of your podcast, and your podcast has the, um, uh, the benefit 
of not being officially aligned with the club. Being officially aligned with the club, you're kind of a propaganda arm. Uh, and you have to navigate that as deftly as you can. And I thought, uh, I thought we did a good job. We, we put our foot down a couple of times. Uh, and the club was very understanding of our approach to it. But when it came to the interviews, uh, one thing that we got with Chelsea mic'd up when I was partnered in an official capacity with the club was incredible access. Uh, be it Cobham, uh, we interviewed Christian Pulisic a, a number of times. And what I wanted to do, understanding the assignment to a degree, uh, definitely following my own curiosities, and uh, I learned uh, being uh, someone that's affiliated with the Dan Levitard show as long as I have, I, I've learned at the knee of one of the greatest sports interviewers uh, of our generation in Dan, and uh, I applied a lot of those skills to interviewing uh, a lot of Chelsea players, and there were some unique challenges. I mean, Jorginho, he, he's an alien. Like, English is his ninth language. And being able to uh, show somebody a personable side of these players and really build connection points was something I was deeply proud of of my time when I was working with the club, when it was uh, mic'd up, and it was a pun on my name as opposed to what it is now, um, which is not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I say that for oh, We didn't say unsubscribe. That was not official. Nah, nah, nah. Don't unsubscribe. Plenty of you have. Uh, we love Lee Parker! We love Lee, though. We love Lee. Uh, but uh, being able to draw these connection points to players, especially with Christian, who I don't think I'm bringing any news here, is not the easiest interview. He's kind of guarded. To be able to crack him open to a degree, as such that it is, was something I was very proud of and I, I grew a lot within the job and it helped me with my, my day job with the Levitard show and I'm very proud of it and I think there was a, a friendly rivalry, we were, I mean, it's between the, the pods, we, I think uh, it was very much uh, a rising tide lifts all boats situation. I think uh, both our audiences grew during the time and uh, we cre created a lot of content. Uh, I know you guys are suffering still some adrenal fatigue. Look, you're out here on the third stop of a third possible stop on this tour, and you're growing the brand. And that's really what I think is a common goal. Uh, you know the uphill battle that soccer supporters have in this country. It's become uh, more of a conversation. They're not talking about it in the same ways. And that's because, honestly, it's the work that you're putting in in the pubs. It, it's, it, it's a grassroots movement, and people speak with it with a level of respect and dignity that they didn't have when we were coming up like 15 yeah. years ago. And I think, be it a niche podcast, if you can call the biggest club in London a, a niche podcast, or be it national team stuff, and I know you guys are always representing on that, it's definitely just banging the drum, and you're already seeing the metrics. This is the fourth biggest sport in America. Look at the metrics, there's sustainable growth, and you're not gonna be the awkward guy at the party. Pretty soon you're gonna be running the party. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we want to go a little bit next with this is is talking about the growth of, you know, Chelsea in America. You are so well plugged into American sports landscape, obviously, with what you do with the, the Levitard show and, and the ownership group there. I guess in your perspective, what are a couple things that you would like to see Chelsea continue to do here, not to force their agenda on the American landscape and say, hey, here's what you could do to really plug in to the awesome American fan base that exists because 
look, we're like the sports capital of the world. May not be soccer yet. So what can Chelsea do to plug in to continue to drive the growth that we have seen the last six and ten years plus, um, you know, since they've been coming to the States? I know my last answer was probably a little too long-winded, so I'm going to keep this concise. Uh, just win, baby. Just win. We're, we're a front-running country, and this is a, a, a club. Hopefully the new ownership sustains a previous success. This is a club that has a very rich tradition in the last 20 years. And I think if they keep sacking on that success, it helps that you have the, uh, the LeBron James of soccer <laughs> as a member of the team right now. But there's going to come a day, probably sooner rather than later, where he's not a part of here, uh, of this club uh, at Chelsea over here. So you keep building on this success, and the people that uh, are like me in 2023 that want to see a, a Premier League game and support the team with the nicest kits, Last year probably wasn't an option. This year we're, we're a little closer to that. Uh, and uh, a, a headline player, I, I think that we'll keep building. I mean, going back to interviewing at Cobham. Cobham is a is an interesting spot, right? Um, you walk in, you kind of get guided down all the tunnels that exist there, and you end up in this uh, dark production room where they shoot all of the Chelsea TV It's a lair. Footage. Yeah, it is an actual lair, and you are the minotaur that goes through the entire bit of it. It's at the center of the lair. I know for a fact that we've talked about it. It's, it's nerve-wracking to be there, right? Like, we've had, obviously, the pleasure to talk to Mason Mount and Kyle Zamori, Aaron Cuthbert, and a bunch of other people. Um, Talk about the experience of going to Cobham really quick before we move on to one of our favorite memories in the world. It's definitely an evil lair, uh, as you said. I think I killed Bowser on my way down the third <laughs> level. Uh, definitely before the boot room, there was a boss that I spent like at least two lives on trying to get past. Uh, it doesn't look like much from the outside, and then you realize it's a, a full compound. And the deeper you go, the more modernized it gets. It's, it's kind of wild. Chelsea, be it the grounds or the training facility, uh, public optics, we're always, as Chelsea supporters, we're always battling against this narrative that they're new money and they don't have this rich tradition. But it, it was very, I mean, you saw the, the fruits of the labor. Yeah. It was very well run. And I think we had... As Chelsea supporters, they got very involved in the ownership process. Yeah. I think rightfully so. It's very complicated with Roman Abramovich, obviously. We were answering questions about Roman that uh, some we had prepped for and some new ones we didn't really see. But at the heart of it, I think everybody could admit that he was one of the best owners in modern sport. It's a tough act to follow. I think I speak for everyone right now that I think we're off to a solid start. Right? And we're going to continue building on this. I wish Petr Cech was still around. I wish Marina was still around for a transition. But I'm hopeful. I, I think just continuing on the Cobham, you know, Cobham's, like, you guys skipped half the travel to get to the first team stuff. Over 100 pitches. There's a helipad for a former Russian oligarch, now an American billionaire. Um, they've got the youth set up on the left side. Uh, they've got the men's on the right side. You got to keep going because we've been to the women's compound. Yeah. They're at the end of the boulevard. Back right. Uh, yeah. yeah, hidden even more because that's where the real superstars are. Is with the women's team. Um, all right, all right. And security is tight, uh, which is good. It's a good thing. Trust me. 
but yeah, it's it, Cobham is is very impressive uh, when you get there. Uh, to your point, I think this they've really had to figure out how to bring in all the sports medicine, all this technology. Uh, English football was not built on technology, right? It <laughs> no. was built on the the, the bloke scouting everyone saying, "Sign this kid, you it's need built him." Built on this, uh, yeah. <laughs> he built on beers. You need to go. So Chelsea really had to like um, uh, reorganize a lot of things, there, which I think has been interesting. Even in our short time getting to go there multiple times, we've definitely seen massive uh, infrastructure improvements made at the pitch. And uh, like I said, if you ever get a chance, we are lucky to take a group of people who were on our, uh, our first, tour. First ever. XL Tours. We took them to watch training at Cobham of the women. And it's one of our highlights of the trips we've ever had. So, uh, again, we'll be reorganizing trips to go to London as soon as we can now that COVID is mainly in the, in the rearview mirror. And hopefully we can try to do something like that again. So, uh, super cool experience. Yeah, I think to your point, Mike, as you talked about this idea of how do the American owners grow the sport in America, we've already seen one thing that's been super beneficial for the European supporters in the lowering and making sure that they've capped the price for away travel, which is a super important thing. Like, you know, as much as we have to wake up every morning, when you're traveling to an away game, every single week or every other week. That is an expensive proposition. Like we talk about us, you know, potentially having a groggy morning. They're talking about dollars out of their pocket to make that happen. And so for the club to cap that, the club to make sure they're thinking about pro supporter movement, whether that's access to players, whether that's, at, you know, they, they kind of organized this event this afternoon in Orlando to make sure that players had access, first team had access to supporters here. It all shows to me that they're thinking about the supporter in a different way and want to make sure that they stay very, very engaged. Sure, I'll, we can say that, but at the same time, this American tour hasn't been expensive, so kudos to all of you who have tickets yes. that have been going to these games. Like, I know there's... I know there's the, the international fan versus local fan debate that goes on sometimes, but like when you compare it to U.S. sports, like we're still doing pulling our weight as well, but it is good that they're taking care of the local fans. They can at least be there week in, week out, because that means when we get to go there, hopefully we get the same deal. I think uh, Bully's obviously positioning Chelsea in the American landscape to be one of the bigger clubs, and I think they're well on their way, be it the, the recent success. Uh, being able to, I know there was a lot of conjecture around Christian's uh, status as a Chelsea player. Uh, they nipped that in the bud before it became a thing. Uh, I know there's a lot of screen caps of, uh, of tweets. Also, like, stop elevating parents. It's soccer parents, like, they're emotional creatures. Let's stop taking everything they say as gospel. But it's very clear that America is important. To this, the, the club knows from my discussions with Bruce Buck years ago, they, they kind of know that while they can still build with more success, obviously you're always going to have a bandwagon element, even in Europe, uh, which isn't stated enough, I don't think, but um, just like what's happening to the lower levels over there, they're, they're letting people into the lower divisions 15 and younger because they're trying to build uh, on their fan bases. They're obviously prioritizing America. They're kind of capped on what they can do in England. This is a booming marketplace. The biggest soccer league in this country is not MLS. It's a Premier League. And you're seeing with these stores, look, Camping World Stadium, you're not going to get TFC in Minnesota to sell that out. It's, these, these, it's brand name recognition, and they're doing a great job with that, and they're gonna keep prioritizing that, I, I feel. Just okay. 
I just would like to say we're doing a charitable effort by bringing Arsenal into a big time stadium so they can sell extra <laughs> tickets. Thank, thank you for that. Um, last, last question, Mike. Rewind your mind. It's, it's May 29th, 2021. About 10.30 local time in Portugal. <laughs> you get a FaceTime from some of your friends at the One in This Blue podcast. We had won the Champions League. No, no applause for that. My God. Good formality. He wore the, he wore the polo specifically for yeah, this moment. We really are a big club. <laughs> uh, you, you were with the South Florida Blues in the most packed bar I've ever seen in my life. Talk us through your emotions. Uh, talk us through that that phone call. It was hard to hear anything, but it was great. Well, I. Uh, you, you were all creating content during uh, Project Restart and, uh, yeah. and all that in Florida. The free state of Florida is a little freewheeling. And uh, that was really like the first experience that I got to have that I missed so badly, being able to be in a crammed bar amongst friends. Sure, everybody got COVID. Like, everybody. Everyone, <laughs> and everyone, those people knew got COVID because of that celebration. But uh, it was beautiful. I didn't really understand, and I think maybe I had other things going on, and the content game was fairly laborious, as you guys know. But what came out of me was just pure emotion. Yeah. I wept. And it wasn't even about winning. I was just happy it was over. Uh, it, it was quite the ride, and being able to uh, FaceTime you guys and ha feel like I had a presence there, living vicariously through you guys and your coverage was so great, leading up through that final. And you guys got to see what drew you into the sport, really, because soccer in this country, when it started to turn the corner, coincidentally, is when it started really leaning into beer and pub culture, and try to get away from the family-friendly atmosphere, the, the mid-90s that MLS aspired to. Like, no, this is back alley pub. This is having probably a few too many in you and singing at the top of your lungs. And that's a general appeal for a lot of, a lot of folks. I'm looking around, these people have belted out a tune or two <laughs> uh, when they've had a few in them. And uh, that, that's one of the sports highlights of my life. Uh, I was so happy it was done, though. It was just more relief. 2012 was a different animal. Yeah, being at that Champions League match, I'm sure we can connect a lot of you who you know got to watch it on TV. We were exhausted at the end of the night. We poured so much into it being in the stadium. Uh, we were actually only like a half a section away from the city fans, too. So like we were like kind of in a fight all night a little bit. Um, but we loved every moment of it, and it was just the release of emotion was so strong that night. Um, and I, I know for us, it was just so surreal getting to be there. But I remember even watching 2012 and being like at home by myself, and the release and like the emotion that was there. It was so exciting because I'd also seen us losing in Moscow thanks to the John Terry slip. We don't need to relive that. But my point being, like, yeah, what an, an amazing night because it was unifying. It brought people into the fold, to your point, winning sells tickets and brings in people, uh, beating Man City. We were outnumbered probably two to one, at least from a fan standpoint. Man City outshowed us, 
and it was it was stacked against us. We were the defensive team. City were the beautiful team, scoring ten goals a game, and we freaking did it. And it was just yeah, greatest night of my life until I got married. Well, I would be remiss if the co-chair of the one of us theory. <laughs> Sitting here, we didn't talk about that back too. There was a belief heading into that. There was a belief in everything that was leading up to that moment, into that Champions League final, into getting delayed and missing a day of it and arriving. Look, the, the most positive I have seen Nick Verlady was the fact that I texted him and said, hey, I made it on the flight. And that was when he knew we were going to win. <laughs> that was the thing that he knew. A very positive moment that we were going to actually win that Champions League final and getting a chance to share that with you was a pretty special moment from the stands, getting a chance to get that FaceTime in, getting a chance to take in the fact that City thought it was their home, City thought it was their second stadium, and hell no, it was absolutely not. It was ours. If we're name dropping, we did get to FaceTime with the Mike Ryan Ruiz and CJ Uzoma, so that was a cool night. CJ's a better name drop, I'll, I'll, I'll concede there. Uh, it was supposed to be a coronation for Man City, but Chelsea did what they did the entire tournament. Uh, it's Didn't it's funny see. how that's looked back on as an improbable run, but really when you see Chelsea's record throughout that competition, arguably the most dominant run within that competition, I understand there's a bit of an asterisk because empty stadiums and, 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 and COVID, but let me tell you something. When it comes to Project Restart and everything that went into operating amidst a pandemic, and this is perhaps a defensive heat fan in me, but you talk to some of the players, as we've had, uh, that was a mental health minefield that they had to overcome. And teams that succeeded during that period of sporting time, they can attribute it to a first-class sporting culture. I think Chelsea's culture really rose to the occasion during that March of the big years because you had other teams that don't have that killer winning mentality. And yes, we were defensive. I'm not going to apologize for being defensive. That's part of Chelsea's successful culture. You have one of these tiki-taki football clubs that play the beautiful game that are supposed to blow you off the pitch, and then they run into a defensive juggernaut. I think that the U.S. could probably uh, learn some lessons from that run. I think a defensive-minded approach is Chelsea football, and it was it, it was really refreshing to see us get back to that. And the trophies soon uh, followed thereafter. It, it turns out that you can't lose games if you don't concede goals. <laughs> and I think from a strategy perspective, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'd like to see us leak less goals uh, this year. Uh, but look, everyone, thank you. We're going to take a quick intermission. We're going to let Mike Ryan get out into the rain and go to open training. Yeah. Uh, but everyone, Mike Ryan Ruiz, thank you very much. Coming out of the break, we want to talk about some, some news that's quite relevant today. So it sounds like one Frenchman, Jules Koundé, is um, ready to sign for Chelsea. Sorry to broke Alona, they've been called recently. Um, but it sounds like after all their meddling, we don't have to deal with them anymore in that sense, which is nice. So obviously, for those of you unfamiliar, he's a right center back slash right wing back. Definitely plays in a three more than a four. Uh, and, and short, 
but apparently can jump really well, according to Ollie Glanville, who we talked to in Samir, which is CFC Central. Uh, and it sounds like he'll be a very aggressive and really up for it type of right center back. So, Nick, it's uh, kind of the Christensen replacement, I think, if you just want to do the paper comparison. Well, I think, first of all, from Barcelona, Uh, they're playing with Monopoly money, and, and it turns out that real cash is better. Um, so this will be a fun one, but he actually gets in the shirt to, uh, to celebrate. But yeah, I, mean, I, I actually went into our special that we did with CFC Central, wanting to lick more than Fumbe. I mean, obviously it's been dragging on for a couple of years now. But uh, Samir told us about his ball progression and the fact that He's a little bit more flexible and certainly up to the pace of the Premier League. And to me, that is something that was a huge risk. I mean, Chelsea play a high line a lot of the times. We dominate possession in a lot of games. And if you're not able to recover, particularly against your own corners <laughs> at times, then, then you're in real trouble. So I'm really looking forward to the signing if it comes through. I would say everyone just knock on wood, available wood around you, and nothing crazy happens. But Dan, to me, this is a quality signing, and it's the third of five that, uh, that we're working on. Yeah, I mean, that was the important thing that I think came out from all of this, is that, that Chelsea had targeted five Google signings this summer, and if we were to get three done in this fashion, under a sanction, under a transition of ownership, under getting a late start to all of this, that's going to be really great business. If you go get Raheem Sterling, proven goal scorer, you know, Premier League winner, in individual leadership responsibility, bringing Kula Bali, who we hopefully will get a chance to see here in Orlando for the first time. And then Adam Kude, who not only knows how to play against Barcelona, but really knows how to throw a ball in the face of a player for Barcelona. Come on! To get that spikiness, to get someone who, I, I actually think that he probably sits in that right wing back role versus that right center back role. I actually think it's where you can actually see Reese maybe, maybe, I know you're shaking your head, Nick, fall a little bit further backwards because it's where we need to see him go. It gives you, Tuchel, a lot of positional flexibility on that right hand side. Don't need it. I, I really hope not. I, I think if Reese James moves back, you lose the best of Reese James, which is such a threat in the opposition's final third and he's the best crosser on the team. I don't think that's any surprise to anyone. So my hope is that Kunde is able to settle into that right center back role alongside Trev, who he's gonna have to beat out by the way. That that really hasn't changed since last year and uh, and hopefully that works out. Yeah, I think we look at the depth chart across the back line because look we know We've obviously lost Rudiger, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, he accidentally two-footed Eden Hazard in training today. Oops. Uh, we lost Christensen, which, not sure he's been registered yet, but that's someone else's problem, not mine. Uh, we've got, essentially, uh, Kulabali left center back, Thiago Silva sweeper, uh, and then Trevo, who's the incumbent right center back. That's right. Maybe Akunde, so you got two there. Uh, you've got Ethan Ampadu potentially filling in for Terry Russell, that sweeper. Uh, then you got Levi Colwell as well providing cover for Kulabali. Uh, Levi Cole is the same height and build as Kulabali. We've seen them do training together. You're not losing anything physically by having Levi in there. 
And so I think you've got now two at each spot. You're in a really good spot as far as depth and what you need from those guys. We're in the perfect spot. 60 games a season, this team plays in all the cup competitions. We are going to need them all, and it's going to be good to see. I do like Jules Koundé's ability to be hyper-aggressive. He's not going to let uh, attackers turn. If anything, he'll kick them before they get past him, which I absolutely love. I also love that. And, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I think if you look at the, the history of Chelsea, an aggressive defender is a really good defender for us, right? You can coach someone how to preserve themselves a little bit. But you can't teach them really how to be more aggressive. So give me someone I can I can mold a little bit who already has that spice and that fire. That screams to be a Chelsea player to me. I think Koulibaly is also just going to be a fucking stud. I mean, really, really good player. So I'm excited for both of these guys. And, you know, I really do hope that Levi gets a chance. I mean, there are plenty of minutes, especially in a back three, for him to gain experience at this level. You know, he has not played at this level yet. So it is, you know, I think if you're too cool and you're being realistic and you're looking at the season, uh, it is a bit of a risk. He's 18 years old. He's built like a fucking truck. I mean, he's huge. We, we saw him in the tunnel in Charlotte during the rain delay. I mean, he's he's big. So uh, I'm excited, uh, excited for that, but hopefully we get a chance to see all these guys kind of rotate. Yeah, so we talk about Levi a little bit, Dan. Uh, I do think the quotes that Tuchel's come out with recently about we need to see more of him, we don't really know about him, is from a fan's perspective concerning. He had an unbelievable season last season. He was on the goals, uh, next-gen players to watch. You would think that maybe the scouting department would have been a little bit more like, hey, Thomas, you really should look at this guy. And he played as a sweeper against Charlotte. For 45 minutes, probably not his favorite spot, especially as I listened to the Koulibaly special and stuff, and Cole was brought into that. Left center back is going to be his sweet spot to dominate. Um, but again, Sar, Koulibaly, Chilwell, there's so many left-footed players over there. It's just a bit of a, a traffic jam right now. Well, I think the other thing is to not overreact to a preseason performance. Maybe we had some players getting their first 45 minutes, like Rodney and Sterling. First 45 minutes for Chelsea in Charlotte. You know, we're going to see potentially cool ball this weekend, get his first 45 minutes for Chelsea. Like, that is, A, super exciting. Uh, B, nothing to react to if there's a mispass or there's miscommunication between the keeper and the defenders, because we're rotating a lot we're testing. Like, this is an opportunity in preseason for Thomas Kunkel to be making really tough decisions about his system, his players, where they rank in the depth chart, because he most likely already has a starting 11 penciled in for Everton. He's thinking about who that 11 is and who's going to make up that bench. But the difference here, Brandon, is that we also have five subs in the next season, and that's going to make a lot of changes and allow Chelsea to really progress some of those lone individuals into the team and make them fully embedded. Oh yeah, Dan, you want to name names on missed passes from defenders to goalkeepers? You calling out Reese in this one already? Oh, man. Vegas was a long time ago, thankfully. It was. All right, but then one player that's connected to Jules Koundé is a right center back. We have one. He's our captain. Mm -hmm. Assist Bila Cueta, as Nick so lovingly named him, to which Dan confirmed in the Tunnel of Charlotte he still remembers somehow. Cesar Afilacueta is rumored to be leaving... Until Matt Law drops the hammer today. I don't know if you've been on Twitter lately. and says, Tuchel has no interest in letting uh, Aspie leave. 
It turns out Barcelona might have actually pissed off Tuchel to the point he's going to keep asking. Tuchel's. This crowd really hates Barcelona, by the way. Tuchel's exact quotes were that he understands that Aspie is not happy, but he doesn't want to do what Aspie wants. So, Nick, we might actually have a Jules Koundé, an Aspie Lequeite, and a Trevo at right center back. Not Reese. As I've said before, fuck Barcelona. <laughs> is that a new take? It's not a new take. Uh, this has been brewing for some time. Uh, look, I think most people who listen to the show know that I love Aspie to death. He is one of my favorite players ever. I'm not wearing a shirt right now, but I was earlier this week. Um, I, I obviously think he should have a statue in front of Sanford Bridge someday. I think he's that important to the club, especially getting us through this tenuous period of the last few months, which has required a captain to stand up and be accountable, and, and he's been everything that you could have wished for. Uh, so a couple of quotes here from, from ye old Thomas Tuchel. Uh, I'm not sure I want to give Aspi what he wants. We have a Spanish international player, captain, but Barcelona does not see it on that level, so I'm not sure we want to give Aspi what he wants, i.e. fuck Barcelona and everything they stand for. And so, yeah, look, if Aspi stays, I think this is a crucial moment, right, because he is our club captain. It, we, we've been talking with Mike even before this, uh, and, and I think when you define club captain, it's more than what happens on the pitch. It's about all of the moments in between. There have been tons of fan moments in this tour where someone like Mason Mount or Azpilicueta or Reese James has gone up to fans far past when they were supposed to stay and done the extra thing, right? That is the job of the captain, to rally the troops. Got in a fight with the fan. A little bit. And so, for me, this is a, a really crucial moment to see if he can stay and, and maybe there's a little bit of a flex in this. Give Alonzo. Hey, not a bad idea. Tom Roddy, who we actually met uh, at an unofficial pool party. That's right. At the Flamingo. There were no journalists at that pool party. Oops. Uh, spoken to Tuco, who said, Athlete Equator won't be allowed to go to Barcelona, even if... You like that? Kunde <laughs> deals agreed. Says he's a little bit angry with Barca's approaches. Quote, I am not sure I want to give Aspie what he wants. Goes on, says, it is also about us... And the comparison of how much we fought for Koulibaly. We have a Spanish international player, captain for Chelsea, and I see it on the same level, but Barcelona does not see it on that level, so I'm not sure if I want to give Aspie what he wants. Again, Tuchel is digging in his heels, and he should. Aspie's the captain of the team. He's been here since just after winning the Champions League. Seven million pounds from Marseille. He does everything right. He's the guy... He's a six, but he tucks in his shirt, so he's a ten. That's right. I think the last thing to round out on Aspilicueta is if he stays, it's probably very similar to the season where Terry was still in the club, Cahill was really the captain on the pitch, and most likely as he ends up being the captain effectively for most of the off pitch, yeah. and there's probably something that like a job with so ends up taking the vice captaincy, which I would have no issue with. The best free, maybe the best free signing that Joseph ever picked up in the Premier League with uh, uh, Tiago Silva joining us, which was phenomenal. Uh, again, excitement here in Orlando for Tiago Silva. This is basically Brazil, Brazil too, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, but in general, 
it would be a very interesting transition for him. I would not anticipate a ton of minutes, but again, his value both on and off the pitch is unprecedented. Final note on Aspie. I, I think we're at this like weird transition point with our captaincy, right? We have we have a few players who are maybe just not quite there, not quite ready. Although I think personally Mason Mount is uh, myself to to assume that role, and I think it could be a crucial transition point where where the players who are on that list to become captain really stick into Aspi if he stays this year and learn kind of some of the tricks of the trade. I know it's not sexy stuff. I know it's not what's going to make people happy to hear, but. I think that's a huge benefit to these guys who are just this close, maybe to take that step up. And if Aspie stays, I'm going to continue to wear a shirt and clap him because he is a fucking Chelsea legend. Yeah, Yeah, we can confirm Aspie has been the last one off the pitch, signing everything he can. We even saw him sign a Ziyech Morocco jersey. Uh, in Charlotte, he just he hesitated. He made eye contact. He's like, "You sure?" He goes, "Yep." All right, there it goes. You guys could bring up Jake and Ishan. Yeah, sure. Good. All right. Well, hey, we're gonna wrap here in a second. We just gonna bring up Ishan, who's just lounging back here. Yeah. We got editor Jake in the house. Come on up, my man. So the funny thing is, most of you know this. This is not our full time job. Ishan, yeah. By the way, welcome, uh, Jake, Ishan, Ishan, Jake. This just, shows to, just goes to show you that we do this virtually uh, across the ocean. Um, and we're so blessed to have these two with us uh, because we have full-time day jobs. We have a team around us. Editor Jake has been, how long have you been doing this? Four years almost. He's been editing the pod. He stays up till like midnight, 1 a.m. to get it done. Really appreciate the effort. He's up at midnight or 1 a.m. doing it. And this happens to be available for him to do at that time. He's still here. Uh, so I don't know if you have any highlights. You just got to go to London with the guys, which I missed out on, which is extremely disappointing. My bad. Uh, but some highlights you have from the pod and the experience that you've done. Um, I feel like the highlight is definitely the London trip we just got to do. That was pretty nuts. Uh, that was my first time leaving the states, so that was ridiculous. Uh, Brandon definitely missed out. We got to do some pretty cool stuff. Uh, we got to watch Chelsea uh, perform. <laughs> I wouldn't really say we won much, so I guess maybe that's not the right word to use, but yeah, those are some of my favorite moments. Other favorite moments, um, just random little edits and seeing you guys respond to them is the best. Uh, Champions League winning, or Champions League qualifying moment with the theme in the intro, like, and everyone's messaging me immediately. Super fun. Anything like that is great. Yeah, if you want to hang out and show appreciation, he's in the Discord more than I am. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing to know about Jake, he's very humble, but a lot of the beats that you hear in our show, whether it be intro music or ad beats, he makes these things from fucking scratch, guys. Like, th- this cat is unbelievable. He is really, really good. Uh, and he goes under the radar, so yeah, buy, buy him a beer. He's, he is yet a 21-year-old. <laughs> uh, then the next one up is Ishan, uh, who we got connected with. What is the name of the first count you had? Chelsea FC Gloves. You guys remember that one? Yeah, back in the day, he was just creating all this content. Uh, that one got burned down, started up a new one, and we said, we should talk to this guy. And so Ishan's been behind the thrust that we've had on our social media. This might surprise you, it was not my idea for TikTok, but a younger guys. And so we've been on there doing a lot more content, the reels and Instagram. 
Uh, but essentially, he's been the quarterback for a lot of our contests. So just want to say thank you, Ishan, again. Um, we laughed. You've gotten to be on the trip at every single stop. You've got behind the scenes. You've gotten photos with the, the, you know, just the most intimate moments of some of the players and the coaching staff. This, I did make the joke and say this is the shit we do. But in all seriousness, how has this trip been for you, being a, a, a fan, remote and kind of distant to the club, now having such an intimate experience with the club? Yeah, it's been so amazing and so surreal, not just to see you guys, but to also watch my first Chelsea game ever, and I was inside with Google walking inside me. All the players that I've grown up idolizing or like grown up watching and have fallen in love with, they're just walking by me and I'm there with my phone, like trying not to be a fandom and like scream and stuff, but it's been so surreal and I can't thank you guys now for it. And you guys too, you guys support not just the pod, but all the social content. Like, retweet, follow. Yeah, like, retweet, follow. Always grinding. Always grinding, Ishan is, uh, is right there. I mean, I think this is just a testament to the fact that this is a family business community. And not just in the way that we produce it, but in the way that we get a chance to do this in front of you. And again, we mentioned at the beginning, the first live podcast we did was in 2016. It was with Brandon's family and a bunch of other people in Minneapolis. Got that about 20 people. This is a whole lot different for us when uh, Chelsea's here in our backyard. And so it's a huge thanks to everybody who came out, spent time in their afternoon. Thank you so much for being a part of this today. Give yourself a round of applause for us. So to round it off, we're going to do group photos. So those of you back, if you can come up, we're going to stand here. We want to do a big group photo to show Chelsea and all of our social followers how Orlando turns out for Chelsea. So come on up. We're going to do that. And then we're going to do a group drink, and we're going to be out of here. So thank you so much. One last thing. we got a photo, and then we're good. Oh, wait. Wait, wait. Real quick. i got to do the outro because this is a podcast. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.